Good morning. I want to talk to you this morning and tell you a story about my friend Dean. I met Dean probably, oh gosh, it's been close to 16 years ago. And I met Dean when I was in Indiana. Uh, in Indiana, I got a job part-time. I was a, a minister part-time, and then I got a job part-time as a uh, delivery warehouse guy for a company called Baker Specialty. And I met Dean. Dean and I worked together in the warehouse. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time together unloading boxes, loading boxes, and then delivering those parts to, to various factories throughout Lafayette and West Lafayette, Indiana. And as I started to talk to Dean, I learned a lot about Dean and how that work environment wasn't always the best for him and that Dean had prayed every day for 10 years to get a new co-worker. And I didn't understand why, but as our relationship developed, Dean told me more and more stories about why he was looking for this co-worker. And I was amazed and impressed at his, his steadfastness in praying for that situation to be resolved by God. And I was amazed and I learned a lot about how to give God everything to get an answer. And today we're going to look at a character in the Bible in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Habakkuk. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm excited. Let's pray together. And then we're going to dive into Habakkuk's story. And I'll tell you a little bit more about Dean too as we go. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and ears to take this message, this little bitty book in the Old Testament and how let it speak to us today in new ways. Thank you for a timeless word from your word in Jesus name. Amen. I want to give you a flyover history of the history of Israel. So um, Moses led the people into the wilderness and when Moses died, Joshua took over. And Joshua's job was to get them into the promised land. Uh, maybe if you grew up in the church, you sang a song like Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Uh, and it's Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. So it's, it's a little dance you did as a kid maybe. And, and then you fell down. It was like ring around the rosy, but Bible. Um, yeah, something like that. So, so Jericho falls. Joshua takes the people of Israel into the promised land that God had given them, and they had arrived. The people of Israel had arrived. And then uh, in the book of Judges, the people of Israel are kind of governed by these judges, and then they fall, and, and God sends somebody in to, to, for judgment, and then they pray, and God restores them. Uh, then we get to the book of Kings, and they ask for a king. They said, God, every other country has a king. Can we have a king? And God says... I thought I was your king. And then God, then they, they kind of go back and forth, and God finally says, yes, I'll give you a king. And you're going to be super disappointed by that. But he gives them a king. He gives them King Saul. King Saul is a warrior. He's very strong. He's a mighty king. Uh, but then he fails. And David gets installed as king. And I think everybody knows the name King David, right? Man after God's own heart. He was the king. Uh, then David had a son named Solomon. Solomon became king. Solomon wrote books in the Bible. He built the temple. He did these amazing things. And then he had a son named Rehoboam. And Rehoboam split the kingdom of Israel into two. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And this is important because our character today, Habakkuk, is actually uh, a prophet during the time of, or during the, in the second, uh, in the southern kingdom, and in that time, Jeremiah is also a prophet. And Jeremiah goes around to different people and, pro 
and prophesies the ending of the second kingdom, that they're going to be taken over by the Babylonians. And so Habakkuk is a contemporary of Jeremiah. So if you're reading your Bible and you're in Jeremiah, just know Habakkuk is somewhere in there. Habakkuk is unique because he's considered a minor prophet, but when we look at his book, he never speaks to anybody. So this is a word for all of you introverts out there. You can be a prophet and be an introvert. Just saying, because um, Habakkuk does it and we're gonna see why. So here's Habakkuk. Uh, here's his story. It's, it's literally in the Bible. There's three chapters. It's literally a conversation between Habakkuk and God. God to Habakkuk and Habakkuk praying to God for the final time. That's literally how the entire book is outlined. And so um, I want you to look at some of the complaints. These are the things that Habakkuk says are wrong with where he lives. It says, God, he complains about the leaders of Israel, that they are not following the Bible. I don't think that that complaint falls too far from where we're at today. He complained, Habakkuk complains about the people of Israel accepting violence and injustice as a way of life. And then finally, he complains that the leaders of Israel are corrupt and disobeying God. I pulled a couple of headlines out from the news, um, pretty recent, within the last couple of years. Um, and there's the first two are just from Christian magazines talking about the state of the world we live in in Christianity. And it says in, in the U.S., Christianity is declining at a rapid pace. I think that that shouldn't surprise anyone. The, the second one is from Christianity Today that was written in April of 2020. It says, in a post-Christian world, there's no good way around being the baddies. And it goes on to explain there was a skit in Great Britain where uh, people who were doing what was right were considered the baddies. And it was, it's kind of a spoof on that. The third article I found, and this is not necessarily specific to this, but it's is that California rail yard gunman was highly disgruntled, but went to work as usual, nothing different. I think that that speaks maybe to the world we live in, that Habakkuk may have been living in, that people were used to the violence and injustices that were going on, that it happened so regularly that it wasn't even news. But Habakkuk is worried, and so Habakkuk is praying to God. Um, Habakkuk says to, to uh, or Habakkuk says to God, let me look here, it says this, uh, in chapter 1, verses 12, he says, God, you're from eternity, aren't you? Holy God, we aren't going to die, are we? God, you've chosen Babylonians for your judgment work? Rock solid God. You gave them a job of disciple, but you can't be serious. You can't condone evil. So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This is outrage. So Habakkuk is praying to God because he's learned from God that even though Israel is wicked, God is going to send someone more wicked to judge them and to, to answer for their, their actions. It would look something like this, right? God, I have a boss. He's the worst. Absolute worst. Please, I know you need to teach me to be respectful and kind. 
But I'd rather you just get rid of him. God, if you could just get rid of him. He's a crazy micromanager. He never appreciates the work I do. He constantly picks on the things that I'm not great at and then partners me with people and teams that I do not get along with. And as you're praying, you hear God say, oh, don't worry. Yes, I'm sorry, my child. I'm actually going to send you someone that's worse. Uh, in fact, he's not only worse, he's going to macro micromanage each moment of your day, not just your week. He's going to require more reports and more details and more things that you're not good at. In fact, you might want to quit. But take heart. He's, he doesn't... He's going to put you in teams that you don't like, and your environment might even be considered hostile. Your reaction might be the same as Habakkuk's when he hears this for the people of Israel. Whoa, God, what are you talking about? You're going to give me somebody worse? That's not what I want. And so he says this. So he, he asks, so he challenges God, challenges God on the, on the basis of who he is. And I think this is a, a moment for us to break in and say, God gives us permission to challenge him. Let, let me say that again, because, because the way Habakkuk speaks to God, it reminds us that we have the ability and the power to pray. Adam said something a couple weeks ago, actually in his Father's Day sermon. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it, please. He says that Jesus, through story, shows us and gives us permission to pester God. That'll change your life. But Habakkuk, the way he prays and questions God, gives us permission to question God. Which is a radical concept. Sometimes I read the Bible and I wonder, am I praying right? Because Habakkuk is really going after God. Look at verses 14 through 16 here in chapter 1. You're treating men and women as so many fish in the ocean, swimming without direction and swimming but not getting anywhere. Has anybody ever been to Bass Pro Shop? They got the, the fish tank in there where these massive fish are just swimming back and forth and i always thought to myself you know they got fishing poles they got bait i mean this is like well i guess fishing in a barrel or shooting fish in a barrel however that phrase goes but the but this is what this is what habakkuk is saying to god you are allowing this evil babylon to arrive and go fishing they're going to pull a good catch there he's babylon's going to catch his limit and fill his creel a good day of fishing. He's happy. But when he's happy, he's going to praise his rod and his reel. Pile his fishing gear on an altar and worship it. Will you let this Babylonian fisherman kill people as though they are nothing but fish? So Habakkuk applies, appeals to God's righteousness in this moment. Habakkuk tells God, if you let Babylon come in and destroy us, they won't even have the decency to give you glory, God. Rather, they will look at themselves and glorify themselves. And Habakkuk tells him this. And then he goes on to say, I will stand on the wall like a watchman and wait for your answer. Dude, again, these are some crazy prayers. Habakkuk is dead set in this conversation with God. And God comes back with an answer. 
Though I'll warn you, have you ever had the wind knocked out of you? Like, there's about 10 or 15 seconds after you get the wind knocked out of you that your brain says, well, this was a good run. Sorry, you're not gonna make it, right? And your life kind of goes, I'm never gonna breathe again, I'm dead. It's, it's how, this is how it ends. And unfortunately, it's because I like fell off the couch or I, I you know, did something dumb, walked into a wall and I just had the wind knocked out of me. But listen to the answer that God gives to Habakkuk. Write this. I love when God starts getting specific. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a mess is a witness point to what is coming. It aches for what for the coming. It can hardly wait and it doesn't lie. Are you guys excited about this? This is exciting. God's saying, write this down. I am in breathless anticipation of what God is about to say next. Look at that man, bloated by his self-importance, full of himself, but self-empty. But the right but the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really alive. This, in my opinion, is something that will knock the wind out of you. And that is, is that God says, hey, look, there is somebody way worse coming. They are, they are deplorable, they are despicable, but guess what? I still see you. You are still my righteous son. You are still my righteous daughter. And know that that guy that is full of himself will be dealt with eventually. And so Habakkuk responds one more time to God with a series of what they call laments. And lament, I love this word, and I think we need to use it more, is that it's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. So these are the laments that knowing that Babylon is going to take over that Habakkuk brings before God. And in this chapter, I'm not, I'm not going to read any specifics of the chapter. I just want to tell you what the laments are and, and, and then kind of tell you how we can, we can parallel those to where we're living at now. And that is, is that he laments that the Babylonians are going to bring unjust economic practices. They're going to the, the rich will charge the poor crazy interest rates is the example that Habakkuk uses to keep them poor. Babylonians, which is often the case of Bible times, the, the conquering group that would come in would force slave labor of the people that they conquered. And so Habakkuk says, God, there's going to be slave labor. Number three, he says, there's going to be unjust leaders, irresponsible leaders who will be partying in the midst of difficulty. What, and he specifically refers to alcohol and other abuses of these irresponsible leaders. And the last woe is that, that there will be idolatry, that, that, that money and national security will be seen as their gods and they will not worship the one true God. These are legitimate laments. I think that we can look at each one of those, uh, whether it's unjust economics, slave labor, irresponsible leaders, and we can see those things happening today.
But God goes on to encourage Habakkuk with this. I will bring down Babylon eventually. I will use a corrupt kingdom to enact my judgment, but I'm not endorsing them as a nation. And then he says this, all nations will be accountable to God's justice. So because of God's answer to Habakkuk, there's this remarkable prayer in chapter 3, which puts together the imagery of the Exodus, you know, where Moses leads the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and he, he uses this same Exodus to describe what's coming. And that Exodus is referring to the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is going to take the broken and make them free, set them free. And that's the hope that we have, that we are on this side of Jesus' resurrection, that we have that same freedom, that knowing that injustice can happen all around us and know that God is working his plan. Corey said something that blew me away uh, two years ago, at least. She may have said it longer ago, that she said that God is not in control, he's in charge. And knowing that God is in charge of the plan brings a lot of comfort. It brings comfort to Habakkuk here. And Habakkuk concludes his prayer with this amazing statement. And I, I, Listen to the, to the sincerity and the beauty of what he says. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, Though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted. Though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns are empty. I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. Counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I am king of the mountain. This book started with a man who was disappointed and saddened and heart hurt by everything that was going around around him. And this encounter with God brought him to the throne and brought him to the place that knowing that God is good in the midst of the evil world. That God's plan is at work. There's, a, there's that uh, amazing worship song that says, when I don't see it, when I don't feel it, you're working. When I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. God is always at work. He's always at work for us. We have a living and active God who is head over heels for his kids. A God who sent his spirit to live within us and allow us to have these amazing experiences and to let us know that we can cry out to him when life stinks and know that God is going to be faithful to us. I'm going to pray right now. I go, there's three things, three, three things that I want to pray for, especially. I want to pray for uh, the country that we live in, right? I mean, we, we live in an amazing country. We just celebrated uh, last Sunday uh, the birth of America. Um, it's uh, 245 years. Uh, we share a birthday, a year, a birth year. Um, 
sort of 200 years later. Um, but, but so I want to pray for our country. I believe strongly also that God is at work and I want to pray for his church. Um, not just the church here on Wiley Drive, but the church throughout the world that God is doing some amazing things that there is, I, I still believe that God is not going to go out at a moment where he is least thought of. He's going to go out with this amazing revival. And so I'm praying that that continues, that, I, that that will still happen, that God is still working on a revival that has never been paralleled in, in the history of mankind. We are all so interconnected as a world that there is only the possibility that that will happen. As the old phrase tells us, it was it's darkest just before the dawn. And I think we came out of some pretty dark darkness, if that makes any sense. And finally, I want to pray for individuals and families who have heard this message and encourage you that no matter where you're at, no matter what difficulty that you're in right now, God is at work. If, and we have a number that will be on the screen. Um, please text that number if there's something you want us to pray about. I know that for me, when I've prayed with people in the church or, or, or received messages for people to pray, God gives me regular Reminders to pray for them throughout the week. And so I encourage you to send that in. Don't struggle with that alone. We want to pray. We want to intercede like Habakkuk on your behalf. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this country that we live in. I thank you that we're able to um, turn on our computers or our, our televisions and, and be able to watch the church service that we want. I thank you that we can uh, open your word and, and study it wide open without any fears. And I just pray, God, that you would just continue to work and move in the hearts of our leaders of, of our country and, and the leadership in our towns and, and where we go to school and, and just work in all of those leaders. God, I also pray for the church. I know, God, you are moving in an amazing way. I want to see our church, the Big C Church, just on fire and create a, a sense of revival for who you are to fall in love with you all over again. Third, Lord, I pray for, for that family who's in the middle of something. Maybe it's a health diagnosis, a relationship problem. Lord, I just, just this week, give them the sign that you're working. Give them a sign that we know that you are good in the midst of the evil that may be upon them. I just thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read to you this from Romans 8 in the message from Paul. And I want to just end with this. Paul says this, I'm absolutely convinced, says Paul, nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing, nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Jesus wants to embrace you this week. Be blessed. Hey, great job, Scott. Thanks for bringing us uh, the word this weekend, maybe from a, a book of the Bible or that we, we don't normally explore. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for opening our hearts to the, the scriptures in a fresh new way. And, and in fact, I always feel this way. Like we come to the end of these services and lots of us, you know, we get impacted or, or something stirs in our emotions or stirs in our life that goes, man, I need prayer for, I need God to break in on something in my life. And so if you want prayer in any way, shape or form, would you reach out in the chat group? Would you text the number at the bottom of the screen and say, hey, would you pray for me about 
this thing going on in my, in my physical life, this thing's going on in my emotional life, in my relational life, in my job, whatever it might be, because we believe that prayer has the power to change somebody's life this weekend. So would you reach out and get prayer this weekend? Don't get off this stream uh, without saying, hey, I believe that God can change something in my life. If you've given your faith to Jesus, make sure you let us know that too, because man, we love it when somebody finds Jesus, finds faith in him, and, and finds his love and discovers his love in a fresh new way. Um, one last thing before we go this weekend, friends, uh, we're going to continue our Preach It series with another one of our volunteer leaders next week. Her name is Romy Radzinski. We're super excited about what Romy's going to teach you guys as well. Again, just doing the best uh, job they can with uh, a, a passage that maybe you don't uh, know or haven't studied very much before. So it's going to be an amazing, amazing teaching. Join us back here live at 10 or 11.15 here in the building or come back online and, and meet us on Facebook or YouTube. We stream those both at 10 a.m and at 6 p.m. every single Sunday. Thanks, friends, for joining us this weekend, and we'll see you back next Sunday.